0: Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There are two places in the Bible where where the words of Satan in his temptations, the words themselves
1: are recorded for us. First one, Genesis chapter 3, in the Garden of Eden, he tempts Adam and Eve. Second one? Jesus being tempted in the wilderness.
0: We're going to listen to God's word in just a moment from Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5, God takes those two temptations of Satan and he connects them together with one another and he connects them both to us. So we'll read from Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 19. It's printed in the service folder. and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous.
1: This is God's word. Brothers and sisters, Have you ever had a, a friend who was an obviously
0: bad influence on you, but, but you still hung out with them a lot despite your better judgment? Or maybe in spite of your parents' better judgment? And, and this, friend, this friend could come up with ways of misbehaving that, that wouldn't have ever occurred to you, but they always sounded like good ideas. Until, well, you realize that it wasn't such a good idea. And your mom would say to you, I don't want you hanging out with them. And you're
1: like, yeah, I know, Mom. What are you supposed to do? They're your friend. Do not ever think of Satan that way. Like
0: some well-intentioned pal, a bit misguided, uh, got a little bit of growing up to do. He gets you into trouble sometimes, but he's otherwise harmless. The devil would love for you to think of him that way.
1: Like he's your friend. If you thought of the devil that way, no, that would be... Almost as good as, as his best case
0: scenario where you ever, don't ever think about the devil at, at all. But he, he's not your
1: friend. He hates you. He hates you and his goal is to drag you down to a death that never ends.
0: He's been acting that way from the very beginning, hasn't he? He plays the friend. God puts Adam and Eve in the garden. Tons of plants every way. God says, eat up. Eat as much as you want from whatever trees that you want, except just stay away from this one tree in the middle of the garden. There's plenty of other trees to eat from. And, And Satan sees his opportunity for murder. So he cozies up to Eve and to Adam, and he plays the friend. Oh, you won't surely die. That's the way that he works all the time. Because if he made it obvious what
1: his intentions and his goals are, nobody would ever listen to him. So he plays the friend. His methods are like a mouse trap. Like the old-fashioned
0: kind of mouse trap with the spring that, that some people say are animal cruelty. And he he baits it with our sins of weakness and our sins of choice with juicy morsels of gossip, with with internet videos that entrance the eyes and poison the soul with, with a love affair, with money, with a little somebody on the side to make up for all of the love that your spouse isn't giving you. And then he plays the friend and he whispers into your ear all the good reasons.
1: It's not going to cause any harm. You deserve it. A break at least. God doesn't really mean what he says. And it's like that mouse trap. You picture the mouse going up to it. I think I can take the bait without getting killed. Pretty sure I can reach it. And then snap. That's how he works. You know that's not friendship. You know what that is? That's entrapment. So think of those,
0: those two accounts in the Bible that record the devil's own words for us. With Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and with Jesus in the wilderness. Exact same strategy, just different outcomes. Opposite outcome.
1: Adam and Eve versus Satan. Satan wins. Jesus versus Satan. Jesus wins.
0: God's words to us in Romans chapter 5 connect those two events together. This is awful thick writing, and it seems like it might be more suitable for a Bible class where we can break down all the complicated sentences and define the big words. Uh, but I, I'm pretty sure that we can keep it simple for the sermon and still dig down deep. Picture Romans chapter 5 as a bridge, it connects the devil's temptation in the garden and the devil's temptation in the wilderness to each other. And then it also connects both of those events to us.
1: You could say that we were in the garden. You could say that we were there with Jesus in the wilderness. The
0: two of the most defining moments of your life,
1: sounds weird, they, they happened far before you were ever born. One of them, just after the dawn of time. The
0: other, going on 2,000 years ago in the the wilderness. So we're going to try to keep it simple. If you want to look at the words in the service folder, that might help. We're going to use uh, verse 19, the last verse, as the summary statement here. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, read Adam, The many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, read Jesus, the many will be made righteous. So you see the just as, so also in there. Jesus' obedience and Adam's sin, they're parallels. So picture two parallel arrows pointing in opposite directions, and humanity, including you, is right there in the middle. And that's why the sermon theme is Jesus' obedience is like Adam's sin. And then why there's the not in parentheses there, we're going to come back to that later in the sermon. So first, Adam's sin. Adam Adam was the agent through which sin and death came to all humanity. So remember how God had had warned Adam that if you eat of that fruit, that you will surely die, and the devil plays the friend. He's like, oh, you will not surely die.
1: When Adam and Eve, well, believed the devil instead of God, that wasn't the devil's
0: trap just coming down on Adam. When Adam did that, that was a death sentence for all humanity. I, I wonder if we're more inclined to think of it, to think of it this way, that, that Adam and his sin, they were like the first in a long line of dominoes. Uh, they brought sin, Adam brought sin into the world, and, and everyone that's ever followed them has, has fallen in his footsteps. That's that's very, very true. But in Romans chapter five, God says it goes deeper than that. That we're not just guilty Of our own sins that we're guilty humanity is guilty of Adam's sin I don't just die because of the things that I do I'm gonna die because of what happened in the Garden of Eden at the dawn of time and if if that just doesn't really seem right to us like we weren't even there I'm pretty sure the Apostle Paul anticipated that this would be hard for people to 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 soak in, because he keeps on making the point again and again. Let me just give you some examples of it. And again, if you want to follow along, that's great. Verse 12 Sin entered the world through one man, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned when Adam sinned. Uh, verse, uh, Verse 15 The many died by the trespass of the one man. Verse 17. By the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man. And verse 18, the result of one trespass, maybe this is the clearer, the result of one trespass trespass was condemnation for all people. Adam's sin condemned the whole human race. We just sang that, didn't we? Martin Luther's friend, Lazarus Spengler. All mankind fell in Adam's fall. One
1: common sin infects us all. So, thanks a lot, Adam. But we've walked on the same path, right? It's not like we're innocent bystanders and just collateral damage. And
0: Satan didn't retire after he introduced sin and death
1: into the world. Still the same strategy. He still plays the friend. Fool me once, shame on you, devil. Fool me twice, shame on me.
0: And what about, like, fool me ten billion times?
1: You'd think that we would... that we would learn after a while? Every time that we
0: fall for that trap and it comes snapping down on us and we feel the the guilt and and the pain that comes with sin and see the, the collateral damage that it causes
1: for other people, we repent. And God never fails to forgive. But wouldn't you think that,
0: that we'd learn how he works a little bit better over time so that it doesn't keep snapping down on us? Here's something else the devil does. He, he leads us to believe that with God, there's a margin of error that God allows. Like, if this is the area to which God's law confines me because he loves me, uh, the devil gets us to think that we can venture out a little bit. Toy with it a little bit,
1: and that God just kind of looks over that stuff. That's what repentance repentance is for. He's lying. The devil's not trying to get us a sin, to commit
0: a sin that Jesus hasn't taken away. He knows that Jesus has taken away all of our sins.
1: So you know what his strategy is? Is to use our sin to take us away from Jesus. Tell me if you've ever... don't need to tell me. (laughs) Think for yourself whether you've ever looked at the devil's temptation
0: of Adam and Eve in the garden, holding out a piece of fruit. Oh, you will not surely die. And think to yourself, you know, if I were there, I could have handled that one. That was obvious. It should have been easy. And then we use that to excuse the 10 billion times that we followed down their footsteps. Or, the other time the devil spoke, when Jesus was in the wilderness, if we give that a shallow, a very shallow reading, we might think to ourselves, you know, those were pretty easy too, turning stone into bread and jumping off the, the temple and bowing down and worshiping the devil. I could have handled those. You know, at least, I have a, at least I have pretty good excuses. He's worked better with me for the 10 billion times that I've thrown God's will to the wind and let the mousetrap
1: come springing down on me. We tend to think that we have excuses, legitimate ones. God isn't interested in hearing them. People
0: have been singing those same tired tunes ever since the beginning when Adam vomited out his excuse in the garden, it was the woman you gave me, God. And then Eve pointed her finger at the serpent, the devil made me do it. God isn't interested in listening to us trying to come up with excuses or shifting the blame because none of that solves the problem because none of that is any kind of justice. What God is interested in is solving the problem. Solving the problem in a way that restores life to us and brings glory to him. And the only way for that to happen was for God to take things into his own hands. That's the connection between Adam and Eve in the garden and Jesus in the wilderness. Jesus subjects himself to the exact same temptation, to the exact, from the
1: exact same satan using the exact same strategy but when you think about jesus out there in the wilderness not having eaten for 40 days and being
0: weak and hungry and alone uh don't don't think of jesus uh just offering us there uh, a do-it-yourself seminar in resisting temptation well i can
1: do it so can you guys If you come across a, if you come across a weakling
0: being beaten up by a bad guy on a street corner, you don't call a timeout and then show the weakling how to throw a proper punch and then just walk away and let him sort things out. No, he's a weakling. He still doesn't stand a chance. The only way to save him. Is by, is by taking his place and sending the bad guy home with two black eyes. And that's what Jesus was doing when Jesus faced off against the, the devil and rendered his obedience to God. It wasn't offering a do-it-yourself course in overcoming temptation. Jesus was fighting the battle
1: that we died in. And he won. That's where the just as,
0: so also comes in. So verse 18 and 19, that, 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 that comes up twice. Verse 18, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. 19, just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many
1: will be made righteous. When Adam turned his back on God, he plunged all humanity into sin and death. That's not where the Bible ends. When Jesus faced temptation and didn't fall, That was doing something for us. Jesus' obedience raised humanity up to righteousness and life.
0: Just as Adam's sin condemns, so also
1: Jesus' obedience exonerates. And when you are in Jesus through faith, that is exactly what God sees. He sees Jesus. You are right with God. You are right with God
0: because Jesus died on the cross and paid for your sins. All 10 billion of them. Even the one that you just can't forget. The one that always sticks in your conscience.
1: But there's more to it than that. You are right with God also because Jesus lived the life that you haven't. Now let's wrap this up by coming back to that knot that's in parentheses in the sermon
0: theme. So Jesus' obedience is like Adam's sin, and Jesus' obedience is not like Adam's sin. So they, they are alike. They, they both produce universal effects on all humanity. So those two parallel arrows pointing in opposite directions with humanity in the middle. Adam's sin brings condemnation, so also Jesus' obedience brings righteousness
1: and life. But, but we also need that not in there. Because there's a way that they're different. Uh, Paul says, But the gift is not like the trespass. So we'll keep this short and simple. Those two arrows pointing. In opposite direction. Trying to get your perspective. So the first one would be Adam's sin and then Jesus' righteousness. This arrow is way bigger. Adam's sin is nothing compared to Jesus' obedience. What's the phrase that Paul uses? How much more? This isn't a fair fight. Jesus and his righteousness that he gives to you more than overcomes your sin. Jesus wins by a landslide. That has a big effect on you. A big real-world effect
0: when the devil tempts you, even if you can't hear clearly articulated words because he's just putting impulses into your heart. When the devil tempts you because of what Jesus did, you can tell the devil to go to hell and that you will not be
1: joining him. Amen. Please stand.
0: The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.